Before we get into the episode today, I have an exciting announcement. We are gearing up to do another round of Wanting It More, which starts on September 28th. And if you are interested in learning a little bit more about my philosophy, what Wanting It More entails, and to really go away with some clear action steps, I encourage you to join my free live class. I have been running this class for years now and get amazing feedback from it. You do not have to do the full program to receive the benefits. The live class is called Wanting It More 101, Increase Interest and Enjoyment Without Pressure or Guilt. And the times are on September 11th at 10 a.m. Pacific and Thursday, September 14th, at 1 p.m. Pacific. It is really quite an incredible experience to come live. You'll see that there are hundreds of women who are all saying very similar things to what you are thinking. I will prove to you that you are not alone, that you are not broken, and I will show you in a very step-by-step way the reasons why you are feeling a lack of desire and also what to do about it. There will be a Q&A at the end, and I do hope that you can attend just for that portion because the questions that are asked are quite amazing. Of course, there will be a recording. I understand that not everyone can attend at that time, and the recording will be available until the 26th of September, which is also the deadline to join Wanting It More. If you want access to the recording but can't attend live, just simply sign up and register at janadentonhouse.com slash free class and you will receive a recording automatically within about 24 hours of the class that you registered for. If you are worried about attending a Zoom call and potentially having people identify you as coming to a class about sex, I totally get it. That is why I use a special feature on Zoom so that your camera, your microphone, your name, none of that is displayed. People only see my face and hear me. If you do want to participate in the conversation, there is a chat feature, which a lot of people will use since the class is quite interactive and you can always give yourself a different name if you want to remain anonymous. All right, well, that's it. I hope that you do attend the class. I'd love to see you there. If your husband wants to join too, that's completely great. It is geared towards women, but I do find that couples uh, find a lot of benefit joining together. That's it. I hope you enjoy the episode for this week. Welcome back to the Morning at More podcast. Today, uh, we get to talk to Jen. Jen is a recent graduate of Wanting It More. And we were just talking about what we wanted to focus on for today's session. And she was saying um, she really wanted to talk about asking for reassurance. And I think that is something we really haven't talked a lot about on the podcast. So I'm really excited to get to that. But first, we want to know who Jen is and a little bit about her early experiences. So why don't you give us just a little background so we know uh, who you are. Great. So yeah, my name is Jen, um, and I am a school psychologist. Um, So I work in schools and uh, get to do all kinds of different things, uh, mostly like special education testing, um, as well as um, working with kids on coping skills, on friendship skills, on just anything that might be 
distracting kids from learning, uh, kind of giving them the skills to kind of make school more enjoyable. Uh, I have two kids myself. One is four and one is one years old. And um, yeah, we're really busy. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. And just as we're recording this, you're just heading back to school. So yeah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Did you have a good summer vacation? Yeah, it went really fast. Um, as they always do. But uh, this year felt really fast, but we we did get some time to visit with family and travel a little bit. So that was really nice. Do you ever teach sex ed in school? <laughs> I do, actually. Really? <laughs> That's one of those things that isn't typically like the mental health role, but um, me and the social worker at my school were voluntold to do that um, Vol- last year. Voluntold? I've yes. never heard that phrase before. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> what what grades do you teach? Um, so I work with um, preschool through fifth grade. Um, my license is birth to 21, um, but I just prefer the elementary age kids. So what is covered in elementary age education where you live for sex ed? Um, for sex ed, really, there's no education until fifth grade. <laughs> um. And then in the curriculum that we taught, um, thankfully it did start with consent. So that was number one of, first of all, not even relating it to sex, but you know, if someone asks you to borrow your bike and uh, you say, um, then that's a no, <laughs> I don't wanna borrow, or you don't wanna let them borrow your bike. Um, and then getting more specific around um, when you get older and you start having romantic feelings for people like you might be interested in touching each other you might not and kind of then bringing it back to that sex piece of um of consent um and then (laughs) this curriculum moves kind of fast it goes right from that to like here are pictures of penises and vaginas (laughs) (laughs) which we now know vulvas um and they talk about the clitoris I think we mentioned like this is the clitoris um, without really going into detail about it. Um, But yes, it is in there. (laughs) Yeah. Pleasure is, I feel like talking about pleasure is sort of uh, it's the, it's the, the cusp of where sex education is going, especially around Mm -hmm. the studies that have shown that actually negative effects can decrease when you teach girls and teens in particular about pleasure. It's it's something mm-hmm. that you are now going to expect in the sexual experience. So yeah, that's really interesting. Probably get a lot of giggles. I giggles a lot of, why are you showing me this? Uh, <laughs> of kids. Yeah. Just like, we've never talked about this. Now we're in fifth grade about to move on to middle school and here you're trying to um, now talk to me about sex. So I, th- I, I do think it's a little late, <laughs> honestly. I really agree. I think it starts when they're one, two, three. It just starts like a part of a natural, normal conversation within the home. But we live in this shame-filled world where we all feel super uncomfortable and don't want to talk about it. And that's why we're doing this, Absolutely. ending the silence. So what was your experience of sex and sex education when you were young and growing up? Yeah, so um, I grew up in a 
um, Christian household. Uh, my parents came from very conservative Christian households. Um, and then my parents, I'm proud of them. They've been kind of, you know, growing and learning more themselves and questioning more and not being just, here's what we learned. So here's what we have to believe. Um, but I was talking with my parents recently about um, sex and and all of the purity culture around that. And I honestly, I got most of my sex education from church events um, and camps and all of that. And my parents, when I was telling them all this, they were like, oh no, like we wanted you to not feel shame around it. So we never talked about all the shame, like shame fullness about it and I was like well yeah but we never talked about it <laughs> so I was like with my parents we never talked about it and then I only really learned about it from church camps saying don't do it ever um or it's a huge sin and yeah God can't forgive that one for some reason um at least that was what I interpreted <laughs> from it I don't think I'm I'm still a Christian so I don't want it to be um so broad but that was the education that I had gotten and what I had interpreted from it um and then it was supposed to be this magical like once you get married then it's suddenly okay <laughs> so for me I carried a lot of shame around sex and even sexual interest um and exploration like like we said even as a, a child I remember like certain things would feel good and then I would immediately be like oh I'm so bad for even like exploring that even though I didn't get any of that messaging directly from my parents um it was all these you know other outside things and yeah I've been trying to put the pieces together I've been exploring that concept of silence and being silenced mm -hmm. and silence is also silence it's it's a lack of education and silence does say something to kids mm -hmm. and then Absolutely. being silence is that more active like you're experiencing these sensations or these attractions and we're not going to speak about them and we're not going to explore them so our culture does both and I think everyone is well-intentioned mm -hmm. which is yeah well even like when kids start asking questions and parents say, oh, we'll talk about that when you're older, that's suddenly, a, oh, so we don't talk about that with, with grownups. <laughs> yeah. And wh when is when you're older? When does that yeah. come? Well, yeah. When do I become old enough? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. So um, when did you start to become involved in, uh, in relationships? Um, so, I mean, I, I was later than a lot of my friends, um, because of this kind of just feeling scared of it, um, moving on from like, even just the purity culture in high school, sex ed class, I just remember pictures of STDs and you're going to get pregnant. And if you get pregnant, your whole life is going to be over. <laughs> and so I was terrified of it. And I had a lot of friends um, that started having sexual relationships. And I was just like, good for you. I'm not going near that. Um, and because of purity culture, I was like, I'm going to be the good girl that um, waits until marriage. 
And then it wasn't until um, college um, I um, met my now husband. Um, well, I had met him long before that, but um, we finally started dating in college and um, started having sex. And there was so much shame on my end of just like so many times of like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I did this before getting married. Um, and there were several times that we tried to be like, okay, we're going to stop now and we're going to wait. <laughs> and of course that never worked. And then there's just this shame spiral of, okay, well next time, like now, now we're going to wait, now we're going to wait. And every time it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did it again. <laughs> Of course, that's not going to lead to a great relationship with sex in general, <laughs> even though like that did end up being the person I married, even if I didn't, I even if he wasn't, I shouldn't have felt shame around that. Did um, you feel a just... level of pressure from him to take it a little far further? Looking back now, I think, yeah. I mean, at the time, I don't think I interpreted it that way. Um as I kind of alluded to, we had known each other for a long time. We had this really like long, will they, won't they <laughs> period of um, being friends and having, you know, crushes on each other at different times. And so by the time we finally were together, it was like, we just wanted to be together all the time. And honestly, the first time that we actually had penis and vagina, <laughs> it was an accident <laughs> like we both were just like well let's try this is so embarrassing to say let's try rubbing uh without going in and then of course it slipped in <laughs> and I just felt horrible but then at that point I was like well now we've done it so you know what's the sense in not yeah were you worried about pregnancy at that time um <laughs> No. Um, well, I mean, I guess I was. Yeah. Um, because I mean, even in that instance, we had put on a condom. <laughs> oh, okay. You were well <laughs> like, informed. In you case, were informed you know, enough. Just in case yes. it accidentally slips in. <laughs> like, of course. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I got on birth control. But even that was such a scary process for me because then it was like, well, if anyone finds out that I'm on birth control, then they'll know that I'm having sex and they'll know that I'm being not this good Christian girl that I wanted to be perceived as, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to share these things where we never talk about them. I had a very similar experience as you, although I have a different faith. I had similar, similar experiences and yeah, that sort of sneaking around shame, but then all those hormones and attraction and that slight pressure that we don't even know how to articulate yet. It's just a lot. And then we're not talking to anybody else about it. So it's again, the secrecy and it's a lot to hold. How long have yeah. you been married now for? Um, We've been married for seven years. Seven years. Yeah. And we dated for four years before that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I'm 23 years out or almost 23 years out and I still feel those feelings and I can tell you still feel those feelings. So it's, <laughs> it's almost like it just happened. And yet here we are married. Yeah. Technically like 
we're allowed, I'm doing air quotes here, like mm -hmm. allowed by, I don't know what institution, but we're allowed to now do whatever we want. But yeah, those, those feelings linger. Yeah, absolutely. And it took a long time. I mean, like I said, we dated for four years. I think we had been dating for six months the first time that we had sex. Um, and so, you know, four years after that, we got married. And even still after being married, it was like, well, why doesn't this, like, now that we're married and now that like, it's okay. And everyone knows that we're having sex. Why does it still feel bad? Like I still even had, it was an unspoken rule, but I definitely had this, like, I don't want to have sex on Sundays because that's church days. And so I feel guilty if I'm having sex on a church day. <laughs> so yeah, so ingrained in you that God does not want you to be doing this thing. Yes. And yet we're, and yet it's designed this way. Mm -hmm. Conflicting. Have you come to any conclusions about that or any healing for yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think I started really, I don't know exactly when, um, but I, over the years, tried to really think about like, you know, what is actually sin what is like god this god that we hear about that loves us no matter what and i hear that so many times like he loves you no matter what why should i then feel bad when i'm doing this thing that was like our bodies are designed this way um there's no reason that i should feel that way about it and I wouldn't want any other person to feel that way. So why am I allowing myself <laughs> to have to, to have that much pressure on myself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, culture has really hijacked this experience and made it, I don't know how, I don't know what to call it, but like I was walking down the street the other day with my girls, their teens, and there was one of those few remaining romance shops. I think everyone's <laughs> going online now. But, you know, they, they all feel quite seedy and they're always in that sort of grungy little corners of strip malls. And yeah, and it, I don't know, it's not saying that sort of exploration is wrong in itself either, but this is the way culture has framed it all. It's and then, yeah, there's a lot to grapple with. And then the shame piece. And then there's that other piece that you alluded to in terms of now it's supposed to be great and almost holy because it's part of your marriage. I used to always think, oh, just missionary position. That's the only sort of acceptable in air quotes. position. Uh -huh. That's the only position that God is going to be okay with where there's <laughs> no vibrators involved. There's no, no mouths, no hands, no touch, just genital to genital. And then we have a simultaneous orgasm and then that's all sort of natural and normal and holy. Mm -hmm. Did you have any of those same concepts in your brain? I don't know if I had specific like rules around it other than the marriage side of it. Um, that like one, like you can only have sex with your husband and no one else. Otherwise you have given away your body and oh. so I think like maybe that's one of the concepts is like your body and uh, as I'm saying so what your body belongs to your husband and so if your body belongs to your husband and you're giving a piece of your body away 
to someone else, then like you're broken now. Forever. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like your husband now is missing out because he doesn't get all of you because someone so sort else of like, like a defiled or like a, yeah. Yeah. I've often, I mean, I often heard an analogy to a flower um, of, you know, someone has, you know, pulled off a petal of your flower and now it's not as beautiful. And that's just like, that makes me want to cry. Like hearing, like, like some people actually believe that, that once you have given away a piece of your flower, you're no longer beautiful and wonderfully made. <laughs> um, and that's just, yeah, I think, I, I think when I, whenever I heard that or said that out loud, I never agreed with it. But I think a part of me internalized that a little bit. <laughs> of course. And like, even like I tried to justify to myself, like, well, this is the man I'm going to marry. So it's okay, <laughs> you know, um, and it should be okay anyways. So like, I don't want anyone to hear that and think like that I still feel the way, but yeah. Oh, here we are changing changing culture one conversation one action one conversation with our children at a time mm -hmm. yeah and finding that balance as well uh, around our values like how do we stay true to our values without bringing in the shame piece I think mm -hmm. that's our generation I think our generation some of our generation is trying to sort that out and figure it out but we don't have any model of it mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so you got married and sex was just fantastic and <laughs> <laughs> flowed so easily, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, uh did you did you start to argue about sex or what was the experience? Our yeah. My husband and I have always been very good at getting through conflict in general. But it was always this one thing when it came to sex, we could never agree. And I feel like it was the same argument over and over from when we first started having sex through till I had heard about women. <laughs> um, and just, I can't, I mean, right now I can't even like name the specifics, but just like, yeah, the cyclical argument around like we're in love, so we should be having sex and why aren't we having sex? Um, like, why don't you want to have sex with me? You love me. It feels good when we do like <laughs> all of this stuff. And, um, we talk about this a lot in WIM, but just of the, like, we kind of had that mindset of like sex equals love. If you're in love, you want to have sex and having to unlearn that has been a huge part <laughs> of this journey of that. Like sex is a great thing that we can do with someone that we love um but it it doesn't just because you're having sex doesn't mean you're in love <laughs> yeah or just because you don't want to have sex doesn't mean you don't love the person you're exactly. with exactly exactly mm -hmm. yeah so what have you like how how have you communicated about that how have you uh, changed that in your relationship now 
Um, I think it really came through, I mean, whim <laughs> through another person saying it. Because <laughs> I think that was like kind of the biggest thing was like, I tried to to say like, you know, to me, like, I don't equate those two necessarily. Um, I don't, like, I don't feel like when we have sex, I feel more in love with you. <laughs> like, and that was a really hard concept for, for my husband to get. Um, and I think just kind of like through repetition and then through hearing it from an outside source and kind of like then thinking through it and internalizing it and so many of the conversations that came about from Wim, um, I think we are getting more to to that and and he's seeing the difference in our experiences together. Um, and as we kind of alluded to at the beginning, this this whole concept of like asking for reassurance, it's like, ask me if I love you or like say I'm feeling unloved. Like, do you love me? <laughs> and like being allowed to not have all of these terrifying thoughts stuck in our brain of like, well, does this mean that? I don't know. Like we have another person, another source that we can go to <laughs> and it doesn't have to be this hidden trapped thought. Is that something your husband has been able to do? Because I know that typically is a bit harder for men. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been more on my end, like, that that I I want to ask for reassurance more often. I think um, I think for him, he's just uh, I don't want to speak for him like this stuff, but um, he no, I don't. I mean, I don't see him asking for reassurance as much because I think just naturally through the way that we're going about this in general is is showing him and our conversations like. I'm more mindful of it too, of saying like, I love you <laughs> and here are things that I'm feeling. Mm, like um, offering that reassurance preemptively. Yeah. When do you find yourself asking for reassurance? Um, usually as we're going into our XDs and I'm feeling really nervous about it. Um, being able to like say that out loud instead of just like holding on to it and then him being able to, you know, reassure me that we don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. Like, and if something starts happening that you're not enjoying, we can stop. And just like hearing him say that is so helpful, even though like my rational brain is, can tell myself that actually hearing it from him out loud is huge. <laughs> Yeah, it creates just another safe container in which you can explore because otherwise mm -hmm. it's like your brain will just go on repeat and keep on going again and again. And then, yeah, even with the anxiety part, I find that women, we are so conditioned that you can't be anxious or depressed or have real feelings and have sex at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's a no-no. You need to show up in the mood, ready to go super horny aroused and essentially what I hear or what I see is you can't be yourself right How, yeah well there's con this concept that women can't be too needy that like oh you're just looking for attention you're too needy but at the same time like 
you have to want to jump my bones. (laughs) It's just like, you talk about this a lot, but like, there's just so many like conflicting expectations for women. Like, don't be too needy. Want me anytime I want you. And don't you dare like let on that you're feeling discomfort around this. Mm -hmm. Or just human. Yeah. It's really quite miraculous. It's quite amazing that you and your husband are at a stage now where you can say that and he doesn't sound like he's triggered. I don't know if he maybe, no, you're nodding your head, you know? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think I've seen him more so triggered like outside of the experience, um, mostly around, I mean, in safety week when we set the boundaries and he was like cool with the list. And then there was a moment, um, we were at dinner and he just kind of was staring at me lovingly. (laughs) And at the time I felt really uncomfortable because I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know. Like, do I say something? Do I just sit there and smile back? Like, I just felt really uncomfortable. And so I said something and then he was like, I feel like you're just realizing how much you don't love me anymore. Or like, like realizing things about me that you don't like about me. And it was like, no, like, that's not it at all. Like, I just myself felt uncomfortable. And so now I'm comfortable enough to tell you that. And I mean, when, like, he came and realized that, too, that like, he doesn't still feel that way. (laughs) But, um, but I think like, inside the, the experiences, at least so far, like, it has really been like, no like we're doing this and like this is for you and like I have a so much better time when I know that you're enjoying this than it like I think for him it was really hard because he was always trying to guess what I wanted um and another thing we've been talking about a lot lately has been um there was always this concept of uh what is one area that I can touch that will instantly turn you on. Like, I remember there was these like Facebook quizzes where they would ask questions and that was always one of them. What's one spot that will always turn you on? And we started noticing that anytime I would like find something that I would be like, oh, that feels really good. As soon as I said that out loud, it would no longer feel good. <laughs> and like, just recently we've been realizing like that's because that instantly added pressure that like now he's like okay well now I have the magic button and so if I want to have sex then here we go and it just never worked it's so interesting that there are those immediate there are immediate no's everyone's looking for immediate yeses but how about we just eliminate all the immediate (laughs) no's and we'll do a lot better yeah I have them like I may want something, like I may want my husband to stroke my cheek, for example. Mm-hmm. But if he does it without me asking for it immediately, I don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't something that I was in control of and I was initiating and I feel safe around. Um, yeah, so it, it's really the opposite of what men are taught to do. And before, I think, at least I certainly thought like, what is wrong with me that like, I'm just like this mean person that like, I gave him something. I I told him, I taught him, you know, something that felt good. And then he's doing it. And I'm like, no, like, I thought that I was this like mean, like I, what is wrong with my brain that instantly now I want to turn him away 
instead of thinking it around that that safety piece of okay well now that's something that like immediately if I don't want it I'm gonna have to either be mean and push him away or allow it to happen because I had said that before yeah that's the nuance of consent isn't it that it's Mm -hmm. a practice that it's a ongoing minute to minute conversation and I just always find it fascinating that we allow for preferences in any other place like we're allowed to like a food one day and then not want to eat it the next day or not want to eat the same food for seven days in a week Mm -hmm. and but again yeah it's it's because it's tied to what men are taught about women and how it relates to them so Mm -hmm. you need to turn her on you need to make her scream you need to get her wet like this is Mm -hmm. your job and how frustrating to be in a position where you're trying to do that all the time. So because a culture places pressure on men, it's now places pressure on women to be like a Starbucks latte, you know, the same same every time. And yeah. So what does it look like for you when you're flowing in an exploration date? Do you like, what are some things, practical things you do? Do you move his hand? Do you, uh, lead the whole thing? Like, do you, are you very specific about what you want? What have you learned about this for yourself? So it's been interesting. Um, because I, there's been several times that like, I'll, I'll start off kind of like, okay, I'm feeling really nervous. He asked me, why are you feeling nervous? And I'm like, well, I, I, you know, I don't want to do these specific things right now. I don't want to feel like I have to. And I'm just like worried that it's like going to happen and I don't want it to. And it's really hard in the moment to say no. And he was like, you know, we don't have to do any of those things. Like, thank you for telling me like, like, you know, whatever you want. Um, and so then that's really great. And then I find that as we're going through it, then the exact same things that I listed that I didn't want <laughs> then I want them <laughs> I'm like, laughing okay, well now he's not expecting <laughs> so it relatable. so now like, yeah. it's fun like now like I do want that thing <laughs> that's so relatable that's yeah. so relatable <laughs> I think I've shared in Wim before that some of my best experiences um or let's say some of the most opportunities for learning that I've had are when I've started it just by saying all I want is this like a slow back massage that's all I want today I'm going to keep my clothes on and those are the times when I typically end up doing the most exploring but we have to be with men who aren't sort of keeping track of that and going okay like, we're only going to do this, but I know what's going to happen. Like, it has to be a clean slate every time. Exactly. And that's something that I've shared with him, too. I'm like, you know, like, there is also part of me, though, that, like, I don't want to start telling you these things because then now, like, reverse psychology, now you're going to start saying, like, okay, yeah, sure, of course, like, we don't have to do that, knowing in the back of your mind. He's like, I understand why you would feel that way. And, like, don't worry about that. If you don't want to, that's okay. And so it's like, yeah, that's why it, it, it ha- the, the paradigm has to completely shift away mm-hmm. from what are all the things I can do to almost manipulate my partner uh, or my wife or my um, 
like female in our in this dynamic we're talking about male and female but how how do i sort what are the tricks and the tactics and the mm -hmm. things i can do just like we see in movies where it's like okay undress a certain way or convince a certain way but it has to be genuine yes it has to be genuinely I want my partner to always feel 100% safe and 100% in her pleasure and I am not going to participate in anything that goes beyond that mm -hmm. it's a real it's a real mindset shift that has to take place absolutely yeah and so what are you've, you've mentioned a couple of things already about what he says. So he, what he does. So he immediately listens to you and he gives you reassurance. Is there anything else that he does that really helps you like bring that pressure down? Um, and I think that's really the biggest thing is the like, yeah, allowing me to state when I'm feeling uncomfortable and understanding that it doesn't mean that I don't love him. Right. <laughs> um, and do you and say that? Are you saying, hey, I don't want to do X, Y, Z, and it doesn't mean that I don't love you? Or is it implied? Now? I think I sometimes say, like, I don't want to do these things, and I'm worried that us not doing these things is going to be disappointing for you. And then he often will then say something along the lines of like, I am fully like coming into these. I'm fully like removing any expectations or hopes or anything like that. And like totally understanding that, like, if you don't want to do it, we're not going to do it. And that's fine. Um, Does he initiate anything or are you fully the leader in the experience well just like for example I know if my husband makes suggestions or uh that doesn't work for me like mm -hmm. if he's like well maybe we could try this position immediately no that's not gonna mm -hmm. happen yeah I think he knows not to do that um he has a couple of times um kind of initiated like as far as uh, well like for example our most recent one I was like I'm feeling really anxious today and he was like well I had some ideas for um uh easing in and so I immediately was like eh, I don't know about that but like I'll, I'll hear you out and he was like well I wanted to just go through the paths and like ask you questions and so then it was like I still was like hesitant but I was like let's see <laughs> But he actually ended up asking really good questions. Like it was more so like around like what can I do to like make sure that you're feeling safe basically or like what can I do to like where what's an area where you're feeling like you might need compassion um, <laughs> like going through all of them all of the steps like that and that actually did help though I I told him afterwards I was like I didn't love how you initiated that like it, it made me feel really like unsure of where you were going with it but it did work out in the end <laughs> I was like next time I want to be able to think through those on my own <laughs> yeah and so I think that's I mean that's been a really big thing too is like he has been trying things because he always has been the initiator and he always has been the one having to 
make sure everything is okay. And now like we're at a place where like I can say to him, like I can do that on my own. And then he takes that in and is like, okay, so next time I won't do that. <laughs> um, and it's just really like freeing and cool that like we can keep learning through these and reminding ourselves this is about what we've learned and not whether it was a success or a failure. <laughs> I love that. I, I often think, or when I speak to men, I we, we have kind of a running joke that we're always saying, don't do anything. Just mm-hmm. don't do anything. And it's very hard for men because that's not what they're yes. taught. They're, they're taught they need to be the initiators. They need to be the ones. And sometimes it's just a silence, mm-hmm. just allowing for silence or allowing a woman to say, I don't know. I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know what I want. I don't know. And let her not know. Mm-hmm. Let that be part of the process of mm-hmm. of figuring things out and yeah totally new. Well, there, have, there have been times too where like I'll lead his hand somewhere and then he starts you know exploring other areas and so then I've I've had to say if I put your hand somewhere keep it there unless I specifically say you can wander around <laughs> he's like okay and he I mean he's part of he's watched all of those men's spells too so he sometimes has said I just won't do anything (laughs) great (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that that's a long-term process I I still have to remind John sometimes Mm -hmm. you know in the heat of the moment um sometimes I'll just take a nice firm hold of his hand you know just stay (laughs) right here (laughs) right here yeah I think I mentioned this on the podcast too but it may be helpful for for people listening I found that if I say oh I really like that he will naturally get faster and more intense Mm -hmm. so I'm learning sometimes I forget to say don't change a thing amazing how culture affects our brains because that's Mm -hmm. what we see is is intense harder and faster is better Mm -hmm. and yeah sometimes I wonder if it's just gonna like asking for that reassurance it's going to be the our lifetime yeah do you ever think that like do you ever think oh I shouldn't have to be asking for reassurance or maybe one day I won't have to or you or do you feel pretty settled in in the fact that asking for reassurance is a is an okay is a wonderful part of the process for the rest of your life. Um, I mean, moving forward, I think like, yeah, I think it's something I'm going to have to ask for. I think there is still a part of my brain that is like, but you have always thought that that is annoying. <laughs> like when other people do it, like, for example, if I see Facebook's statuses that are like I'm feeling really sad then I often like I have had these thoughts of like they're just looking for attention and then now though I mean I have this this narrative in my mind of like and if they are they need attention and that is a good Um, thing that they're asking for it (laughs) I love Um, that this has extended your compassion to other people because isn't that the truth when we're more compassionate with ourselves we have more to give yeah um yeah, I mean, there are very specific people that I can think of in my life that I have kind of judged for for asking for reassurance. And now I'm like, wow, like that is so brave of them to do that. And like, I hope that people have been better so that have been provided that reassurance that they needed. Yeah, um, that, that narrative of being too needy is really mm-hmm. strong in our culture. 
Yeah. Yeah. And even the word I have to do it, like I have a brokenness that I need to have this sort of accommodation Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> to use maybe language you use in your work mm-hmm. uh, versus like this is who I am and I have needs just like folks who are neurodivergent have needs it's not a missing piece of them right yeah and yeah I love the concept that you use of it's just a fact and I use that I think you specifically use that within like the pleasure week or maybe I don't know I think intuition yeah intuition yeah we're like it's just a fact that this is something that I like or something that I don't like instead of putting judgment on it but I think like I've been using that for almost everything (laughs) like you know it's just a fact that I prefer hot over cold it's just a fact that I had a baby so my belly is different than it was before I had babies (laughs) And just, yeah, just around everything in life. Like, that's just a fact about me. Um, Not that, like, we can't grow and change and all of that, but just, like, instead of putting judgment on anything, thinking of it as, like, in this moment, this is just a fact. And it yeah. really takes away that that judgment on myself and that judgment on other people. And asking for reassurance and receiving it can feel so pleasurable. Mm -hmm. I know we've been yeah I know we've been talking about it a little bit more in the terms of um, overcoming anxiety or or allowing anxiety to be part of the experience but sometimes I find maybe I'm feeling a little insecure about something in my life at that time maybe it's about being a mom or about something about my business and just hearing my husband say over and over again, like, you're a great mom. You're a great mom. You're a great mom. Oh, so good. Why would we deny ourselves of that? Yeah. Yeah, it feels really good. And like I said, like, almost most of the time, like, that's how I start uh, my XD of like, I'm feeling really insecure and I, I need to hear from you whatever I need to hear that day <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and just saying it out loud and then hearing him say it. And then it's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> like now that I feel. <laughs> yeah. This is a safe, safe, supportive space that I can yes. be here with you. Oh, so good. Jen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing this with me. Um, yeah. It's just really, it's really great. I wish people could see your face because it's just <laughs> radiant and smiley and wonderful. And I, I so enjoyed having you in this last round of whim. So thank you so much. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to make sure other women heard? Or I know that's a very big, broad, general question. Um, I think just kind of one thing that I wrote was like the process of learning to love yourself um, and the like, when it comes to everything, I mean, so it's, it's all kind of blended together. So like the compassion, like love yourself through all the things that you've been taught is bad through like your boundaries. Like it's okay to love myself enough to state my boundaries. I love myself enough to listen to my intuition, like love myself enough to be able to enjoy small pleasures in life. And then like learning to love my body because my, I'm in my body forever (laughs) so just yeah this piece of like through all of this like 
love yourself, return to that love, acknowledge your strengths, like, and ask for reassurance when you're not able to love yourself enough to hear it. (laughs) Yeah, that's what partnership is all about. That's why we do all the hard things of being with imperfect people and being imperfect ourselves. So we can have a cheerleader, at least we get (laughs) something, (laughs) not just someone to help pay the bills and co-parent, but but really somebody who can offer that, who really we care the most to hear from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks. Ah, I'm leaving with a lot of good warm fuzzies in my heart (laughs) and I hope everyone else is as well. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you in the next one. Bye for now. If you've enjoyed this episode, I have a favor to ask of you. It's really hard to get the word out about a podcast about sex. What would really, really help is if you would leave a rating and a review. And I know that you get asked this all the time in different podcasts, but please, I beg you, it would really, really help so that more women who need this message will hear it. All you have to do is go into your Apple podcast app. It's the purple icon. And if you go to the podcast page where it shows my face, and has a little button that says latest episodes. If you scroll down past the episodes and you get to a section called ratings and reviews, there's a little purple writing thing that says write a review. If you click on that, it will ask you to give it a five stars. Actually, you can put any stars, but five is what I would love. And put a title and then write your review. Thank you so much for supporting this little venture here and I really am so grateful. If you are curious about wanting it more and how this program could help you want and enjoy sex more with your husband and you feel like it may be a great next step for you, you can go to janetdentonhouse.com slash wanting it more to sign up for the waitlist, to learn more, to see when we're running our next round. All right, that's it. I'll see you next one.